0: Welcome back to the 30-something podcast with Sunny. I am Sunny. I feel weird introducing myself. Anyhow, uh, this is the podcast where we talk about motherhood, self-care, and second chapters, pivots or changes that people have made in their lives after big changes or big experiences. Um, today's podcast uh, definitely falls into at least two of those three categories. Andy Prather is a uh, Bar 3 studio owner here in Winter Park. But more than that, she's just a friend of mine. She is someone who um, I guess I've known for a couple of years now, but only start started to get to know more personally um, kind of recently. And from the moment that I met her, I was thinking, oh my gosh, she has so much Knowledge about motherhood and so many things to say, and she's got so many funny stories. Oh, and by the way, she has five kids. And so I thought, oh my god, I have to bring her on the show. Um, I really pride myself on connecting you guys with people who can not only be of use in some practical way when it comes to motherhood, but who can also help us all feel a little less alone. Motherhood is a big, big job, and it's a job that literally no one is qualified to do. I mean, aside from biologically, until you have. that child in your hands, no one tells you how hard it is how great it is, um, how many challenges and the strange challenges that you'll face. So it's really a joy for me to bring people onto this podcast who are open about sharing their experiences, because I firmly believe that the more we hear about each other's journeys, whether or not we line up with them in every single way, um, the better we feel, the, the, the less alone we feel. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, is that knowing that this big thing that you're going through, good, bad, ugly, uh, you're not alone. So Andy and I dive into so much on today's podcast. Um, we talk about sleep training we talk about following your instinct as a mom and why that's so important. We talk about mom friends and why it's so hard to find them. Um, Andy's kids are a little older than mine, so we talk about the difference um, in raising a high schooler and middle schooler versus the younger set of kids, which I have right now. So it's interesting to kind of peek into the future and look at what might be um, down the pike as our kids get older. Um, We talk about so much. We talk about taking care of yourself after having children and why it's important to find that time to, to connect with Yourself. So, um, oh, and by the way, we talk about, I, I can't believe I forgot to mention this until now, um, the insane story about Andy getting pregnant with her fifth, which was the biggest surprise. I joke in the beginning of this episode that her story is an urban legend, and it's true. We laugh because Andy said, I've heard my own story t- told to me multiple times. I don't want to like blow it for you, but it's really funny. And let's just um, suffice it to say that her fifth was a total surprise and against. Many, many medical odds. So um, it's so fun. This episode was a true joy for me to record. I know you guys will enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoy doing it. So yeah, enjoy everybody. This is um, mom of five and Bar 3 studio owner, Andy Prather.
1: Personal interview, nothing. Now we do Zoom calls on the phone where it looks like FaceTime. Yeah. Never recorded anything.
0: Never recorded No. That surprised me. I thought that they would like, um, you know. Have you guys Some done paper interviews, interviews for the magazine or whatever. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Well let's just chat. Okay. All right. Okay, so I feel um I feel I feel like people probably know this if they follow me on any channels. I'm like a huge bar three fan. I'm a fanatic. And Andy is the owner of the Bar Three studio here in Winter Park, which is how we met. Yes. How, ma- how many years have you owned the studio now? Um, it was three years in October. Okay. Just over three years. And I wanted to bring you on the show because <laughs> I, oh, you're like an urban legend. So, okay, wait, listen. You're the person when people are like, did you know you can still get pregnant after you <laughs> <because laughs> get a vasectomy? Okay, and this is insane. Okay, so Andy has five kids. Quickly remind us of their ages.
1: Okay, Liam is uh 14 and then 13 11
0: 9 and 7 and they're all biological children yes and they you yes you brought them all you you cooked them up you brought them all into the world so you have been through some stuff but i'm laughing because um literally everybody whose husband has a vasectomy we went that route because i'm a like a total cuckoo on hormones and someone's like "Well, just be careful because I know this girl who got pregnant okay tell everybody your story it's insane not only oh my gosh
1: I've heard my story people have told me my story which is so funny yes I um we were done after our fourth Lila was born and we'd had four kids in five and a half years and we were cooked and um I told my husband I wanted him to get a vasectomy and then we actually decided I would do something more effective and I believe it's called Pronounced Escher. And they put coils in your fallopian tubes and scar tissue forms around it and blocks them. Okay. And it still is very effective. Statistics are great. (laughs) So I had that done uh, when Lila was six weeks old. And then you wait a certain number of months, find out the coils are in place. Yes, everything's going the way it should. And then I was still panicky. I was like, I still feel like I could get pregnant. I still don't want to have
0: sex. Like you just knew, you just had this feeling?
1: Yes. I still felt like... It could happen because, actually, if you're a Dumb and Dumber fan like me, I was in yes. my OB's office. She does it. I'm like, yay, I'm fixed, right? And she's like, you are 99.99% fixed. And all I heard was so you s- telling me there's a chance. <laughs> so you're saying <laughs> there's a chance. There's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, and this was
0: just for your the um, statistic for your procedure. Yes. Okay, so it was supposed to have been... Almost bulletproof.
1: Totally, I think it still is. My friend who's an OB told me last year <sighs> the only known failures besides me are people who were pregnant when they got it put in it put oh in and didn't my know yet.
0: Gosh, okay, but that's not all. There's that's not more all. to this.
1: So everyone made fun of me, and I said, "Russ, I'm still not comfortable. I still want you to give a sec to me." And he hemmed and hawed, and then. And then, you know, he decided he wanted to be back in our bed, and so he did it. (laughs) That's a powerful Um, driver. Everyone made fun of me. Like, Uh. you think you're a fertility goddess. And um, he did it. And then, you know, we waited the requisite time, and uh, a few more months went by. And when our baby was one, I was, like, 24 hours late, my period, and I told my best friend, I'm pregnant. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're actually mentally crazy. (laughs) So I waited till like five days, and I was like, "I know I'm pregnant. I can tell." I'm you pregnant. just felt
0: it, like I was so regular, and
1: yeah. um, so so regular. And then yes, my body changes immediately. So finally, I take a
0: pregnancy test. I'm pregnant. I almost faint. That's I
1: insane. Call... So <laughs> yeah.
0: After the vasectomy, after your procedure, I mean, like, w- did you just crap your pants on site? Like, I yeah. have never heard of this happening to anyone. I. It was
1: shock. I called Russ in a sweat. I called my OB first. She actually played the voicemail when I was delivering my fifth. She <laughs> brought it into the delivery room because it's so nonsensical, panicky. Um, Russ left a work meeting. I said, I'm pregnant. You have to come home. He left a work meeting, came home, Googles it, false positive pregnancy test. And he's like, oh, okay, it might be cancer. Like, that's the only other option. Oh, great. I was like, Either oh, great. The best
0: news of your life or the worst news. Yeah, thanks, oh, babe. God.
1: Oh, and so, yeah, I went in to the hospital. She wanted to do blood work. The OB didn't trust the test either. And turns out I was pregnant. And then she made me come back the next week for an ultrasound because she said, Your numbers are super high. I'm worried it's multiples.
0: Oh my gosh. Wait, so this was, I, I have to ask this. Okay, so with mm-hmm. the vasectomy, they have you go back and do, did he go back and? So he did
1: not. And he here's not. the okay. qualification mm-hmm. he um, did not go back and give the sample, but he is a late failure. So the sample's just to clear out what's left in your pipes. Right. If you get past a certain amount of time, everything in your pipes is cleared out or dead. Right. So that's where you're supposed to go every year and drop your sample. Oh, I didn't know that. Just go every single year. Everyone should do it. Everyone we know did it after I I got pregnant. Did
0: they really? (laughs) I was like literally two days late. I just like for my latest period, and I was coming to do this interview with you, and I was like, fuck, I'm going to be in her boat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, but no, I got it. I'm fine. Um, Okay, so there is a little bit of a qualification there, but still, it technically should not have happened. No, and
1: honestly, I mean, he and his urologist would both say, even if he had done the sample, it wouldn't have mattered. A late failure is a late failure. So your body forms, it's too medical for me, but your body forms a new pathway. It's so determined to reproduce. You form a new pathway to
0: get sperm. That's insane So that's how they explained it. You're cut and cauterized. Yeah, there Mm -hmm. are things that are happening that shouldn't technically be reversible Mm -hmm. or like nothing should be permeable in any way. Right. So that's what happened. It just, it found a way. Found a way. Are you a religious person and do you find that, I know that there's more to this story too and I don't want to jump too far ahead, but the connection with your youngest, your son, and something that happened later on with your own health journey is also, to me, like a God moment in the biggest way. Yes. And um, I want to get into that a little bit too, but I, I, are you spiritual and do you feel like this was just meant to be?
1: Yes. Um, so we're Catholic and the big joke for me was, oh, we both got fixed and then God decides to show us who's in charge again. Yeah. You oh know, Catholics gosh. aren't supposed to get fixed, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, the thing. that's true. Um, so yeah, we are, I, at the moment when that happened, I was not thinking this is meant to be at all. Yeah, I yeah. Was, uh, we were upset for a while. Months, a
0: while? Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah ha, ha, let's revisit that for a minute. Were you uh, – it's – it's. I don't want to, like, be too negative about it because there are people who try for years to have their own biological children. Yes. It can be very frustrating to hear that, but I had a surprise pregnancy, and I – not my fifth, but our third, and I, I can relate to that feeling of it's. – you're not devastated. You're so shocked that you – there's an absence of joy in the beginning because you d- it upends your world a yes. little. So it us about that. It derails.
1: You know, we finally thought we had closed that chapter. I had already been pregnant four times, given birth four times, nursed four times. Mm-hmm. Um, five is a lot of kids, yeah. like new car. We already had kids bunking and sharing rooms before the fifth. It just felt like I can't handle this. I'm exhausted. So he became our fifth baby in seven and a half years. Wow. I was exhausted, you know. Um yeah, stay at home I mean, mom. Russ was is a great dad, but working a lot and I just thought I couldn't handle it anymore. I already felt like I maybe wasn't giving enough to the kids I had. Yeah. So, you know, not de- devastated because the stress of not being able to feed them or whatnot. I just felt depleted and I just thought there's no way I can pull this off well. Mm-hmm. Um Later in the pregnancy, I totally got on board, and I was excited. I have a boy and then three girls, and then he's a boy.
0: You like little bookends.
1: I wanted all boys. Oh, my gosh. So you got your second one at least. I got my second boy at least. Um, I came from a family of all girls. I really wanted to be a boy mom. I still feel like I'm made to be a boy mom. Um, so I at least got that boy. Right. Um and by the time he came, we were both
0: excited and all the older kids were excited. Um, what was it like um, being the fifth? I know people say, notice a difference between the first and second with how they approach their pregnancies and how much more relaxed they are. I can only imagine what the difference is from the first to the fifth. Was Were you just like totally chill?
1: Um, yeah, sick. Yeah. Sick. I didn't get sick till the fourth and fifth. Um, so that was another thing. I was like, I just can't do this again. I had been really sick during my fourth. Um And, but I gave up on the, like, if I wanted to eat deli meat, I ate deli meat. Mm -hmm. Like with my first, I was crazy about that stuff. Um, By the fifth, I was super relaxed. um, And I asked for help a lot more easily than with the first. And then you have the fifth baby. And I mean, my big joke is from the first being on that perfect schedule, didn't eat fast food till he was like two, all that stuff to the fifth where
0: you're like, did anyone water the baby today? I, <laughs> I, yes. I mean, isn't there an element of truth to that, though? The element of your older kids not helping to raise, per se, but taking care of all the – filling in the, in the gaps where you don't have to anymore.
1: Absolutely.
0: And do you notice that in his personality? Is he much more easygoing as a result of being, like – the last, and the one that everybody kind of took care of? He is. He's always up for anything. He's
1: also spoiled rotten because the older ones, like, if Graham was upset, people just hand him things. Like, shut the baby up. (laughs) (laughs) Just give him whatever you want.
0: (laughs) Make it stop, Mom.
1: (laughs) But the fourth and fifth are super
0: chill. That's, yeah. I wonder if that's the case all the time. I mean, I, I hear that quite a bit, and I think it's just a case of, I mean, it's got to be that way. Like you said, you you put so much attention into the first, but it's one thing to go from the first to the second or third even, which isn't that, it's not that many kids relative to, you know, how many kids you have, but I can imagine from one to five, you're just completely.
1: Yeah. I think two to three is when the wheels come off. Yeah. Well, we have to start letting go of having like a clean mm -hmm. car or clean children or whatever.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, okay. So, I mean, I, I explained this a little bit in the intro, but. I love bringing on moms, guys, that – to me, this is so much more interesting than talking to some, um, you know, expert. I mean, like, moms want to hear from moms because you you live this life. You know, I mean, you're doing things that people who have written books or, you know, done – what's it called, consulting on. I mean, like, it took them years to, like, I mean, the experience you have raising kids is real. So I want to dive into that in particular, like, the the pressure that we put on ourselves as moms. What is the biggest sort of takeaway after having five kids and now that they're getting older and to the point where they're out of the baby stage? What can you tell moms who are just getting in it, who are feeling, like, really hard on themselves and feeling like they're a failure? Oh, man. I always say
1: Andy, mom of five, wants to go back and slap Andy, mom of one. (laughs) Because I put so much uh-huh. pressure on myself to do everything right. Were you a scheduler and a very? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. We skipped everything because the baby had to have their nap, and right. um, you know I nursed him that full year, and um, he never had Chick Fil A till he was two, and we had never watched a screen and Baby Einstein flashcards and all the wow. things. He now is. Um, much more particular than my other children (laughs) and loves hand sanitizer. And I feel like I did that to him. (laughs)
0: You did. You created Um, a little
1: perfectionist. Yeah. I think my biggest uh, takeaway with these kids is, um, and actually it's a quote from my mother-in-law, but she's like, our generation has lost healthy neglect. Mm -hmm, And um, I think we have lost healthy neglect. And I think the children need to play without their mom. I think they need to go outside and be together. I think it's okay if they skip a meal and have a snack sometimes. Um, There's some things I am really crazy about. There aren't screens in our house. Like, they don't have phones or iPads and all that stuff. We do have TVs. Um, But there's other things. I'm like, I stressed about so many little things, and that affected my mood. Um, and when I can let go of all that small stuff and I'm a happier mom, even if they had Cheetos for
0: breakfast, Mm -hmm. they're going to be happier. But like, how do you, what would you tell knowing how you were and how particular you were a new mom who's just really having trouble, like letting go of the expectation that other people have or the expectation that she even puts on herself? Oh yeah. So that's two really different things, right? The expectation you have for yourself, um,
1: I think is even harder than the ones people put on you. Um,
0: Man, that is a hard one. Like, just ripping the Band-Aid off. For me, it was like, I mean, I'm not a particular person. I'm really... specific about certain things, I guess, in life, but I've never been the scheduler. Even with our first kid, I was like, oh, they want to sleep with me, that's fine. Or if they want to sleep, I I had to because I know that if I move into the territory of trying to control too much, my OCD can kick in and I will just cycle. So I really was... And then they all
1: feed off that. You're you're the
0: captain of your ship, And you do have to, I found, like deliberately, like for example, if it's a nap time situation and you can't get the kid down, your choice is to either stay in that moment, fight through it, and make it happen. because that's your baby and they need to listen to you or you know what? You remove the kid from the nursery and you let them play and move on. But I found like little deliberate decisions like that were helpful to me. I wish that personally I had followed my
1: gut more with my first and not the books that people recommended and not the because what works in your house is never it's not the same house to house we're also unique and what our kids and each of my five kids is unique i parent all five of them a little bit differently yes based on their personalities and so i didn't like Making my first baby cry it out, but a book said to do it, and people told me it was time for them to be sleeping through the night or whatever. And so I did it, even though it didn't feel right to me. And then with my last few, I was too exhausted to ever follow mm. a schedule or make them cry it out or anything. They are the more easygoing children, that's and it felt right to
0: me. Right. I felt better too. I love that whole argument. I was going to bring that up separately, but let's get into it with the sleep training. Um, this is something we. I just did an interview with a woman who is a, a sleep consultant, and I that's like a booming industry that I completely respect. And I it was really interesting to hear from her. She had a lot to say about scientifically why it works for some people, and you know, of course, why they need the rest and why you need the rest. I could never pull the trigger for the same reason mm-hmm. that you could, and I, I'm here to say, like, it is great whatever you decide to do. That's fine. you, yep. you do that. But I, when you say you need to follow your gut, if your gut is telling you you need to get a schedule or you're going to lose your mind, you get a schedule. If your gut is telling you, I still am not ready for this, I think you should listen to that. I did the same thing. Maybe I too. like pushed. I pushed in the other direction of my instinct for so long. I don't yes. know why does it take us so long though, as women, to, to like listen? ourselves. Yeah, I don't know
1: because I do think I, I think that. We are so powerful. We're born with a lot of knowledge and power, um, but then we let other people help us decide a new path, and mm-hmm. it doesn't always sit right. I think we're animals. We know how to take care of our young. Yeah, it's instinctual, mm-hmm. um, and we have everything they need those first few months. I mean, they don't really need anything except boobs and a cuddle. Yep, um, <laughs> That's so true. it is true. It's the best feeling too when they sleep on your chest. Yes. It's, it is. Yes. And, you know, I had some that only, like, Liam came home from the hospital, my oldest. He went straight to the crib first night. And was okay with it. Yeah. Swaddled. Yeah, sure. That's the only way they're going to sleep on their back in a crib. Right. Swaddle the crap out of them. They're like the tightest little burrito I could ever make. Right, And then I had other kids that were in my room and a bassinet, the middle kids, so closer to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I had other kids who were in that thing that, like, attaches to your bed, and I kicked my husband out. (laughs) So it was just me and the baby in the room, and I would nurse in the room without getting up and going to the nursery. Um, And it changed a little bit each time. I'll say four and five, the ones that were closest to me the longest, were the most settled. It was easiest on me Mm -hmm. not having to get up and go to a different room and be fully awake. Um, You know, I, I couldn't sleep with them right next to me in a bed because I wouldn't sleep well, I would roll onto them. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, my husband's a pediatrician. He's probably not going to let right. that happen. Right. But the closer they were, the better for right. me. And that was just what worked for us. Um, I can't redo Liam and he's fine. He got what he needed. We bonded. <laughs> but I do wish I'd listened to my gut because I think I would have been more well rested, less stressed.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm a big, Fan. I mean, clearly I have a podcast and I've uh, you know, built a – I you know think my calling is sharing good information. I'm a big fan of the world that we moms have built these days with social media and blogs. I love that we get to share our stories. I feel like that saved me. That being said, I feel like it can also be a big detriment to – trusting your instinct. You know, like I remember mm. if you reading things and saying, okay, well, I finally decided this is, I'm going to follow what I feel is right. And then I would go online and I would see friends. They're like, oh, I got my first full of night of sleep last night. We finally sleep trained." And I was like, shit, I should be sleep training. I mean, you, you, you do have to get to a point where you shut down the outside noise though. And Absolutely. I love that advice to just trust your instinct because I, I agree with you that we're equipped with what we need when it comes to raising our babies. I think
1: so. I mean, within reason, I wouldn't encourage someone to be unsafe in any way. Sure. But, and the other thing, I think it's better for me to decide on something with my spouse and partner Mm -hmm. to have him 100% on board with what we're doing and support me versus being in discord in the house, but doing what social media is telling me is best. Right, right. Um, I think it's really important to whoever is supporting you You make some decisions together. Yeah, you you keep it close. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Did you deal with anxiety, depression, postpartum, um, any (laughs) hormones or mood issues? Oh, my gosh. I've had anxiety my entire life. It
1: got really bad just a few years ago, so um, not really anything to do with pregnancy or childbirth. It was after my hysterectomy. Um, But... Anxiety's always been present. I never had depression. I will say I got baby blues a little after Mm -hmm. Liam, and I think it's just because I was really isolated. Right. I don't know if you have moms who are listening that are the first to have the baby. That was me. I had Liam at 24. Um, I had only moved home a year and a half before. I hadn't yet found my tribe. Thankfully, I had both our families here, but I was really isolated. Um, A little neighborhood playgroup saved my life. Never thought I'd be a playgroup mom, but it did. Um, and so I would say I was blue in that sense. I should have gotten up and out more mm-hmm. sitting around only makes you want to sit around more. That's true. That's true. Um, I wish I'd had bar three somewhere to go and exercise and so have my baby still in the studio. Yes. That would have saved my life. I, that was
0: a huge draw for me. I was, I've been doing it, what, three and a half years. So I, I started it before we unexpectedly got pregnant with Cecilia, but it was always a draw to me. And I knew I would continue after having her for that reason, because the child care was like literally right out the door. And right I knew there. that if there were a big enough issue, they would literally walk the 10 feet and knock on the door and say, come get your baby. Um, that's important. And you hit on the isolation point, And that just is such a real thing. I have the same memories from having our first to the point where my sister-in-law had to come over and we lived on, on opposite ends of like the same townhouse unit. And she was like, do you know you can leave the house with your right. baby? Right. And I mean, it sounds so logical. And I was like, but I can't. But I can't. And she's like, Yes. You put the baby in the car seat. I mean, like I, it, I don't know why I'm a fully functioning adult. I had had a, a job and a career and same thing. I was a smart person, but what is it about that first baby? That it felt insurmountable
1: getting all this stuff together and yes. getting them safely the out of the room. house. Uh-huh. And I, it felt like too big a task. So I would just stay home. So how did you break out of that? You said the play group and having moms in the same the stage play group helped. helped. Uh, my husband pushed me. Big time. Russ was always trying to get us out when he was home. And then, frankly, I got pregnant with my second when Liam was 10 months. We very quickly had our second. Mm -hmm. And then you have no choice. I had to get out. I was going to doctor's appointments. I was setting up another nursery. We were – and then Liam started preschool. That was huge for me, meeting other moms in the same stage in the same season with me Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe there's such a thing as a seasonal friend yeah and that is a lot I think preschool friendships Mm -hmm. especially with your firstborn yeah
0: they can totally relate. They're literally in the exact same stage. Yeah. Um, aren't they lifesavers too? Yes. Yeah. They're the people that you like ugly cry in front of. I mean, someone that you really literally did not know a year ago that you're right. telling your like deepest, darkest things to because that brings that all out. There's an instant connection. <clears throat> Are you still close with the women that you met at that point? Um, I mean, if you ran into them, I'm sure you would chat. But yes. Did any of those friendships stand the test of time? Beyond Some that? have. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, two of my really good friends have. They're from those days. Um, Even though our kids, one of them, we never see them unless we try to. They're still dear friends. And a lot of my friends are the kind that even if I don't see them for two months, we go to lunch and we pick up where we left off. Those friends are definitely in that
0: category. You have a shared bond. Yeah, It um, it really is like a battlefield kind of relationship. Like you're forging through some really difficult stuff.
1: It is. And not everyone you meet in that stage is going to stay. You Mm -hmm. know, you're going to move on to different elementary schools or – they're going to move away, or you're going to have more kids, and they're not. I mean, I'll confess, I don't have very many friends who don't have a lot of kids, because I'm yeah, not a good to friend know. to them.
0: <laughs> you have to know, you have to relate, right?
1: Yeah, I'm not a good friend to them. They'll, yeah. like, do things like actually call you back or write a thank you note
0: or RSVP, oh, and I'm, like, thank you so notes. bad
1: at that stuff. Horrible.
0: Just, if anyone is listening, by the way, and you've ever given me a gift, thank you, because yes. I didn't write you a card. Yes. I mean, I just, I have, to, I'm the same way. I have to have friends in my life who are gracious enough to understand that some things happen. Some things get thrown out the window. What was the thing that surprised you most about motherhood in general? That could be like a feeling. It could be, um, something that you discovered a product or a technique that really helped you soothe your baby. It could be anything, but something that just really Mm kind of knocked your socks off or really helped you in a way. Um,
1: so I went into it overly confident. <laughs> I had been a nanny forever. All I ever wanted to do was babysit kids. I babysat. I know what having babies yeah. is like. <laughs> had the car seat in my car in college. Oh, nanny. Wow. Like, okay. I thought I was made for this. Um, was an aunt already. Both my sisters had babies already. Saw them a lot. I was surprised at how hard it was. I was surprised at how... Um, how insecure I felt about my choices. Um, I will say I'm also, I always thought I was a baby person. I have been so pleasantly surprised with how
0: great middle school and high school has been for us. Okay, tell me more. Because this, as a parent of a young set of children, this worries me. Oh my gosh. Because they're like, they're in the world. The world can get to them in ways that you can't control. I was always scared of it. Yeah.
1: And you know, when you have elementary school kids, when you meet moms that have older kids as well. Like they have a kid in your grade and then they have some older ones. And it's always like, enjoy this now. Oh, middle school. Middle school's awful. High school's awful. I heard it nonstop. That's what I hear too. Yes. It doesn't have to be. Okay. I've had a great experience. I will say we've put in a ton of time with our children as they were young. So the relationships are there. Family dinner has okay. been Then Be specific the about what you did.
0: Yeah. So you're yeah. talking FaceTime and like FaceTime, talking, um, engaging, get, pull, how do yes. you pull their feelings out? That's something that I think a lot of parents of young kids want to know. We have a phrase in our house mm. called big feelings. I want to hear about your big feelings, oh, that's but good. I mean, how do I you like that? But I do think it's something you have to really practice because kids can easily go into themselves. So what yes. did you do?
1: Especially in our situation where there's five, there's some who love to talk all the time and the others might never get their chance. <laughs> um, Family dinner has been the best thing we've ever done for the family, and it's pretty sacred. I, we will skip activities, skip all kinds of things to do family dinner most nights of the week. Um, and it doesn't have to be long, and it's not glamorous, and sometimes it ends with one person in the dining room, one in their room, you know, like chaos. Um, but at family dinner, we do something called Rosebud and Thorn. I'm sure a lot of parents have something similar. The rose is the highlight of your day. The thorn is the negative thing. And the bud is what you're excited about the next Ooh, day. I like that. So it's a really super quick way to go down the line. And everyone gets their chance to
0: hear from each other. And they get their chance to say what it is. I love that. And then you're forcing them. Not forcing. That sounds strong. But you know what I mean. You're having them hear their siblings' feelings yes. too. Yes. Which teaches them empathy, I would imagine. Yes. Well, how old were they when you started this?
1: I would say Liam, our oldest,
0: was probably six or seven.
1: Mm-hmm. So, there, so the babies have just always
0: heard it. Right, right. Always. So that's interesting. The family dinner is um, something that our generation did and just didn't think about because there was right. little to distract you. You know, there right. wasn't something you could gaze into or walk away from. But um, it is going away. So I like to hear that something as simple as that can bring I, back the connections. I
1: really think that was a huge part, has been a huge part of our success and feeling like I know my kids and that they know me because you know you engage in that they have to respond they sit and see your face every night there's no tv there's no phones nothing um and they know you know I was talking to my older ones recently like Ansley Marie who is 13 will tell you um she likes knowing that we like to be with her oh
0: that's so sweet
1: so it's not just we do this because we do this it's we want to see you and we're interested in what you have to say. And mm-hmm. this is an important time for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another thing we're not great about keeping up with. Some months we do it and some months we don't. But a family meeting on Sunday nights.
0: Ooh, okay. What so like?
1: um, there's a great book, I think, where my husband got the idea. It's like Habits of or secrets or habits of the happy family. I'm going to have to look and tell you. Um, but you start the family meeting kind of recapping the week anything major anyone needs to talk about as a family issue this is not individual airtime to air grievances but mm-hmm. anything the family needs to face um and then we talk about um anything that you are excited about proud of someone else in the family um we talk about the week ahead like mm-hmm. guys we have a busy week this week mom is teaching one afternoon we have a party one night it's going to be a little more hectic soccer playoffs, whatever it is, and then we end um, everyone saying what they would like the family to pray for them that week, and then I'm always the one that has to close the prayer and remember what each person's prayer Mm -hmm. request was. My kids like that meeting. Like, we haven't done it in a while. We've gotten out of the habit, and they... Asked this week,
0: can well, we please do the family meeting? And let me ask you this: as far as specifics go, so you you mentioned it's something where people talk about big things that are coming up that week. So if one mm-hmm. kid had you know a swim meet, it's something you would be like, okay, you know this is happening for this kid. You run down the big things in each mm-hmm. kid's schedule or life. like family commitments. Okay, it's family. It's family so the swim meet would
1: affect the family because I right. would expect that everyone would want to go. Or if it's late or someone has another activity, we'll discuss. Dad's going to do this. Mom's mm-hmm. going to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to give them a grip of the
0: week, I try not to surprise them anymore. Yeah. Sun- this, I love that idea. I'm so I, – I truly don't remember what day of the week it is 85% of the time. So to have a little forethought and to bring everybody in sounds very appealing to me. Yeah, and, and it as they get have older, there's a time. lot
1: more commitments.
0: I'm starting to realize that. I mean, so. our oldest is going to be seven, like your youngest. Yes. So we're just getting into the activities and the commitments outside of the house. Yeah, and that's something. that's You're fighting. We are
1: fighting an uphill battle. Um, kids are so overscheduled right now. What's um, your rule of
0: thumb for that? Do they get one sport, one activity each, or do you just? Maybe. One. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. So what do you tell them? Um, with boys, I notice, well, I shouldn't say this is a blanket statement. With our son, though, there are so many sports that he wants to try. How do you get them Do you just tell them, okay, this is your one choice? Yeah. Which one do you want to do this season? Okay. And and you stick with it. Yes. Have you noticed that that helps them to like concentrate and um, succeed better in those things, or is it a matter of just switching around until they find something that they really like?
1: I will be honest that my oldest, like, they're not super sporty. We pick soccer early. We love it. That's what we play in the backyard together, Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what they've stuck with. Um, My oldest did just start jujitsu.
0: Oh um, nice!
1: And he's liking that, but I've been willing to let them try most things they ask. I mean, one wanted to trapeze, and I was like, "We're not doing trapezing <laughs> it's weekly. Just, this is just, just not a, a thing.
0: thing. <laughs> it's not we a don't thing. have the money for a safety net, honey, <laughs> also, to cover like our whole 45 house."
1: Forty-five <laughs> minutes away on I four. Like, like yeah, I'm not doing far. it. Um, so they are told no about some things, but I'm like, "That's fine. You know, if you want to take dance, we're not going to do soccer this time, right?" And they do figure out. Often they'll try things and not love it. Um, sometimes they'll try things and want to quit immediately. And I'm no, you have
0: a commitment to a team now. So you do push them through no matter what. Through your if commitment. If it's a team sport. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, how have you managed to keep the screens away? You mentioned earlier that they do not have devices.
1: No, and it's, um, you know, I talked to my oldest last night. He's in ninth grade. And, you know, it can be hard. He said sometimes he's he has trouble connecting with friends, like literally, um, and figuratively because they are all on social or games or whatever. Right. Um, so – We've talked about can he use the iPod at certain times. They use my phone to text. But I told him, I was like, Liam, we're asking something really hard of you. I know you are literally the only friend without a phone. Um, and Your dad and I are asking you to be an outlier, and we know it's hard. And this is just a decision based on every piece of research that is out every single day. Um, And I said, I just need you to trust that we're doing this, not because – it's just an arbitrary decision, but because we're, we're trying to make the best educated decision to keep mm-hmm. you safe and happy. So it's hard. They're, they'll often ask to use my phone to text their friends, the oldest two. Right. Um, we do have a house phone, yes, and their friends do. will call.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's um, a great way to, like, I feel like keep it kind of analog. Yeah. Just have that option for them.
1: It is, and for the most part, the oldest two haven't pushed back. Mm -hmm. I mean, once we held firm with the oldest, the second realized she wasn't going to get a phone before him. Yeah, I mean,
0: I, I give you a lot of credit. I don't think I know anyone with kids in that age who has managed to do that. And I know your husband is a doctor, too, so there's probably studies and things that he was exposed to that maybe we weren't. Was there any study or article in particular that really pushed you in the direction of keeping them away from technology? You know... With him being a
1: pediatrician, he is always reading what the American Academy of Pediatrics is recommending. Um, and that's how we kind of based, like, okay, it's zero to two, no TV, mm-hmm. no screens. So that was easy. And we've always kind of followed that. I will say in recent years, you can't even point to the most impactful, you know, like, because they're all
0: impactful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I
1: read a study six months ago that was telling about the biggest group of people, the slice of our population with the, um, Highest rates, highest growth in committing suicide, 10 to 14 year old girls.
0: What? Because they're looking at that BS on social media and their brains are not capable of knowing, okay, that's fake, okay, that I don't, it doesn't matter what she does. That's sad. It's
1: hard. I hate that my kids do, they do get left out of things, bottom line. Yeah. There's
0: times I'd like to be able to get in touch with them more easily. Bottom yeah, line. how do you get over that too? Because as a parent these days, with the security and safety concerns that right. we have, do you just what is your plan to get in touch with your kids in case of an emergency? So basically,
1: everyone they're around all the time has a phone. Yeah, okay. all their That's friends' smart. numbers yeah. are in my phone. Mm-hmm. They can call me. I have left them at school, and my son didn't realize till everyone was kind of gone uh, at Glenridge Middle, and he just walked to a friend's house and called me from there. Mm-hmm. They actually will get resourceful. Yeah. (laughs) They actually can figure things out instead of just always relying on Mm -hmm. you and picking up the phone and calling. So that's been an unintentional bonus for us is that um, he'll figure it out. Right. They've figured it out. And I I can just start texting their friends if I need them. Mm -hmm. If there's any kind of an emergency they're going to get in touch with you. Sure.
0: <laughs> you grew up at the same time as me. Remember when you could get personalized 1-800 numbers? To, did you have this? No. Oh, my God. This was such... So pay phones were everywhere growing up. I mean, you had to pay for this service. Yes. It was like 5 bucks a month. But my parents had this – It. Thing that we could call them from any pay phone and you set up an account, and it's eight hundred, so it was free to me. But they would just get billed, and That's so amazing. it was hysterical. And I think about it now, and I'm like, oh my god! I and know. we thought that was like so technologically like advanced. I'm like, listen, I've got yeah. my own eight hundred number. Okay, <laughs> it has changed a lot. Oh my gosh, <laughs> things are so different. I laugh. Um, um, I have some things that I want to run by you that I want to yeah. get your like uh, mom thoughts on. Okay, <clears throat> traveling with kids. I know your thoughts on this personally already, but is how do you make that? Is this a yes or no to you? And if it's a yes, how do you make it happen?
1: It is a hell yes. I would say it is one of the best things we've ever done. Um, We travel constantly with the kids. It was not easy when they were babies. Now. They're seasoned travelers, right. and it's really easy. Yeah, you
0: would travel, like, when they were infants, too. Yes. I mean, in far, far places. Far like places. To Europe. Yes. Like, packing your baby in a backpack and, like, walking through Paris. Yes, kind of That's totally. Insane. When
1: the first trip we took after we had all five, my baby was six months old. The oldest was, what, seven, and we went to London for a month and rented a house. <sighs> That's insane. Okay, so wait. <laughs> Let's just
0: rewind. Oh, time change. How did you deal with that?
1: Oh, it's hell. The first few days are hell. This is how you decide when you're doing a trip like that. The longer, the better. So that your yeah, first few days, adjust. there's no pressure to go sightseeing mm-hmm. while they're adjusting. Um, but they all travel. Russ will tell you. There's seven of us in the family. He ranks me number seven as far as traveling well. They <laughs> all do better than I do. Why, do you I just like get a tired lot of or? sleep. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. sleep okay. on the plane. And when I don't sleep, I'm a very grumpy person. That's funny. Um, and so they do... I feel like the kids are
0: more resilient than I am. Do you think starting early helped them to be better, too? Because I know a lot of people's big fear is getting on a plane, getting, being in a captive yeah. um, zone with the children for a while. So do you think it's yeah. like pulling the Band-Aid off, just doing totally. it? Totally. And,
1: you know, I will say I got so annoyed a few years ago. I saw this article where these – this. Family had gotten on. They had twins, who their were word were gonna cry, so they passed out these like goodie bags to all the rows yes. around them and apology notes. And I Come thought, on,
0: people, you're adults. Deal.
1: What? <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Everyone yes. has been a baby. Yes. Everyone on the plane,
0: and most people on the plane have had a baby, or have. But you know, there's always that one a hole that's like, um, can I have my seat moved, please? There's a baby crying yeah. behind me, like. I am not a violent person, but it does make me want to fight a little bit. It
1: makes me so angry. Like,
0: we've lost tolerance for little kids. Yeah. And also, uh, I mean, I was literally sitting next to it. It's making me think of we were at Universal yesterday and we were in one of these rides that was like quiet. And the couple next to me had a baby who was just, who just lost it, like full on lost it. And they looked over at me so nervous. And I was like, it's like totally fine. I get it. But like, there are people who just do not want their day or their moment ruined by a baby their moment people are very intolerant
1: in all ways I think that um, it's really hard I know when Russ and I travel without kids of course I'd like a quiet flight where I can take a little nap or read or whatever at the same time, I know that mom is so stressed oh out. Gosh, it's not like sw- – She's sweating through her underwear, she's people. Dying. She's not, <laughs> she not is sitting there. She's out
0: in, like, nerves that you're, yes. like, hating on her.
1: Yes. is not sitting there thinking, I don't care that my kid ruins your day. I'm going to let him cry. That's not what she's thinking. No. She's freaking out. Yeah. Also, you know, I mean, I think we have forgotten, too, there might be special circumstances. Um, they might be going home suddenly. The kid can't nap. They're catching a flight. Someone at home is sick. Mm-hmm. Someone's died. Um, the kid might have special needs. Mm-hmm. The kid—I mean, who knows what's going on to make a kid cry? They're miserable too. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like I—we try to be as courteous as possible always. Um, but I also feel like you're traveling on a plane in and out of Orlando. Right. <laughs> There's going to be kids on your flight. A Couple, just a couple. I can't control everything.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm sorry if we disturb you. You're right. Like. Parents are always trying their best. I've never seen a parent whose child is having a full-on, you know, whether it be a temper tantrum or a crying fit who's just like, well, sorry. Sucks no. To I mean, they're
1: trying. They're trying I their promise. best. They're not like watching Sex and City on their iPad and letting you listen to the crying yeah, kid. That's yeah. not what's happening.
0: Yeah, I, I feel for those parents. I mean, that's it's if, awful. And you've probably had those moments, too. I've had moments yes. where my kid has just – I mean, we were not a big knock-on-wood temper tantrum house, but, we like, when they cried on the plane, like – I mean, you just – you know that everybody's looking, and it's it's, un- you are, it's uncomfortable You feel, you feel awful. Yeah.
1: You do, and there's nowhere to go. There's right. no, like, quiet room. Like, you can take them to the back, but then the people in the back rows are going to hate you.
0: Yeah. Uh, flight attendants have been magical in that way yes. to us. They've helped to distract or, you know, so – they're usually if God you are those people. just like most people in the universe if you are nice to
1: them they will be so yeah, nice to yeah, you yeah <laughs> um it's I, funny how that works right huh? isn't it <laughs> some people need that reminder <laughs> i do think traveling with kids the babies are almost the easy ones i would have died without my ergo
0: Oh, Bjorn carrier. and Yeah, so mm-hmm. you were a, um, a baby wearer. I'm aware.
1: I okay. didn't know that with my first couple. And then I got the Bjorn, I guess, when I had my second. And I realized it's magical. Like, I never took car seats in Publix again. Mm-hmm. I you just, just put strapped the baby them right on. on your chest. Yeah. yeah and then also, it, it keeps them close to you and happy. And also, you can turn away from your cart without leaving the baby behind yeah. you. Yeah. And then it keeps strangers from grabbing your baby's hands. Does yeah. That drive you crazy? You know what?
0: I did not have a lot of people grabbing my babies oh, ever. huh? Really? No, and I read. I know that it happens quite a bit because so I would gross. see. Yeah, um, that makes me think. I think I'm a baby grabber, though. <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> I think I'm the guilty party here, Andy. No. I will
1: touch toes, but not babies' yeah. hands, because that's or, what they like, put what their, their mouth. What about the top
0: of their heads? Can you pet their heads? Is that I is probably that? do. I do that. I feel like. I mean, I don't go a full on kiss, but like I. Um, I see a baby, and I just... I know. You
1: know what I mean? I know. No, I do. I always grab them. I get my fix at bar three, though, so I don't have to approach strangers at the deli line. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) No, I've had... I've not had anybody... Do that. I, I did notice, which was strange to me, like when I was pregnant, everybody would hold the doors, and they were very gracious, and then as soon as you have a baby and have a stroller, they're yeah. slamming that door in your face. I, I'm like, yes. oh, can somebody hold this? I mean, like, I've had people just sit with a double stroller, too, and just watch me come into publics, you know, or yes. no, not publics because they have automatic doors, but you know, a coffee shop, and I'm like, I, I'm not like expecting to be treated like the Queen of England, but can you hold the door for
1: right. me? Right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that will like, buy I, you a coffee. I always thought that was so interesting, like you're standing, I remember going to the store once with all five, and of course, someone has to be grumpy and have all five happy at once is rare and people look at you you've got your hands full in a negative way and then they just go ahead and order four different kinds of meat at the deli in front of you and I'm thinking like help me out if you if if you're feeling sorry for me
0: maybe help a girl out give me your deli ticket okay (laughs) or just don't say anything yeah I know I it is it's interesting to see how people react to like Women, women in particular, with kids, because it can be coming from a place of empathy and love, and you know, let me distract your kid and talk to them for a second, or it can be like, okay, have fun with that. See you later. Yeah,
1: and I really think if you have two kids and they're both kind of acting out, people might look at you sideways the second you cross to three, four, five. It's like, why did she have
0: more? oh That's the worst. Do you think? People, yeah. Like, yes. You did this to yourself. Yes. <laughs> Don't you know what's causing this? Oh my. If I would love someone to say that to me because I would fight.
1: Oh, I get it number. all the time. <laughs> and I just would answer the questions. No, we don't have cable. Yes, we're
0: Catholic. Yes, oh we love gosh. each other. That's ins- but that's so weird to me that people would like really take it to that level. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So judgy. Let's be nice to people. Okay. Let's be sweet. Speaking of judgy, I want to get your thought on this: going to nice restaurants with kids. This is like a topic that I feel like you always see, like a little article going viral or something oh, on really? Facebook. Okay. Do, are you a proponent of that? Like, if if you're going to um, a place that you know is a little bit of an elevated experience, are you okay bringing, or if someone brings their kids, and you know, there's a chance for, like we said, a tantrum or something. Right. For us
1: personally, I wouldn't have enjoyed that experience, so mm-hmm. we almost never ate out with our kids till they got older, and now if we're we're taking all five somewhere. We don't usually go super nice because it's right. really expensive, and they're not even going to appreciate the experience. But um, I, if we're ever in that situation where we have to do that traveling, whatever, we go at five or five thirty. Yeah, you get early. out
0: before the date nighters. Right, and needless to say, having been in the position you've been with all of your kids and like all of the. You know personalities you have to manage. You would never be the person that would be judgy if someone brought, you know, a baby into Morton's or something for a nice. No, I mean I remember taking a
1: two-week-old into um, Ruth's Chris and putting her under the tablecloth.
0: Wait, what? Like, under the table or under the table. Like, just, like, setting her carrier
1: there and covering her. <laughs> it was a friend's birthday. I had her in the carrier. Oh, she amazing. was asleep. She was happy. Oh, and we gosh. stuck her under the tablecloth so that she could stay asleep. Oh, good. Like, at my feet. Yeah. And I just
0: had to tell the servers, like, the baby's right There's there. There's a human being under there. <laughs> yeah. And it worked out, I guess. Yeah. They are, Um. The, the younger ones are better. We had the baby out. I think it was, I just found this picture on my iPhone the other day. It was like, you know, how many ever months ago? She was, like, six days old, and we brought her to Disney Springs or something. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, I did not care. You could have given me a passport and just said, here's your, tri- your trip to China, and would be like, okay, see you later. I mean, by the time she came around, right. I was like, I don't care where we bring her. I didn't, like, that strangers get too close for germ reasons, but, I mean, you got to get out. You, you know? got to get out. I you was gotta, a prisoner I mean, with the first, and by the time she came around, I was like, I'm going anywhere and everywhere you yeah. ask me and to. and my
1: husband, I would really disagree on that because he's a pediatrician, so he knows if you have a fever... Yeah. And those first six weeks, you're getting a spinal tap, right? Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's One why. I'm didn't know that. I know. I that's never. why. <laughs> so, but by the time I had my fourth and fifth, their siblings are in preschool. They're getting all They're the getting germs, germs there. Anyway. Yeah. I felt safer getting
0: out. Yeah. And I didn't have a choice. Yeah, I, you're right. I no mean, choice. with five especially, you have to manage so much more. Yes. Um, I want your thoughts on mom friends. We talked about this a little bit. Why is it so hard to find mom friends? You've been down this road multiple times, and I'm sure you've, like you said, had some friends that stuck. So, like, for the moms out there who are just getting into this world, I know everybody says the same thing. Why is it so hard? Why is it, do you think, and what can they do to, like, find people to lean on?
1: Uh, it was hard. It was hard for me. Um I wasn't – I didn't put myself out there as much as I should have probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I'm not a playgroup mom. I'm not this. I'm not that. So I made it a little harder on myself. Um, I think that it is hard because we are – We are in a time that I do think is judgmental. Mm -hmm. Um, When I had Liam, the big thing was the mommy wars. Right. Um, Working moms and stay-at-home moms. Yes. And I've been on both sides. I stayed home for over a decade, and now I'm a working mom. Um, And it's so funny because on on both sides – there's judgments. Um, there's no right choice. You can't satisfy anyone else. But I think it's a judgy time. And because we feel like we're living in a judgmental time, I think we also perceive judgments. <gasps> That's so true. I feel like we're guarded. Mm-hmm. Um, we can be. I feel like social media can often make us feel like um, everyone else is doing it better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're not. They're not. They're really
0: not. I promise they're you. They're not. It really seems like that sometimes. They're but not. They're not. I mean, they're doing yeah. this, having the same struggles you are.
1: Um, and then, of course, you just—it is. It's just like other friends in your life. It took me years, or your spouse, or whoever you're, whoever you're living with. It takes years to find the right person. Mm-hmm. So it does take time to find the right mommy friends. Yeah. Um, and you—you've got to find the friends that will support you, even if you make different choices than they do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a rut we can fall into. Is like only wanting to be with people in very similar situations. Um, And I think you just get to a level of maturity as a mom where you're like, you do what works in your house and I'll do what works in mine. Mm -hmm. If we're both happy and we can just be nice to each other and support
0: each other, we're all going to do great. Absolutely. I think you're right. There's a sense of safety that comes from surrounding yourself with similar people. I I like to know different things because I always like to know what works for you and what works for you. I'm just genuinely curious, but I, I I've noticed that it's easy. What's easy for anyone in any situation to surround yourself with people making similar decisions because yes. it boosts your confidence that you're also doing the right thing. But I would say that too. Like engage with moms who aren't doing the same thing as you daily. Talk to the mom who's working full time like you. I've been in both boats and I've found and everyone's like well, what I mean, they're, they're equally hard. Yeah, they're really. I mean, and there's things that you don't anticipate being out of the house nine hours a day and things that you don't anticipate being home 24 hours a day like it's really hard no matter what you do so yes having kids is hard you know I always tell
1: people when they're like I only have one I don't know how you have five I'm like I didn't have five because one was easy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's not what happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Yeah, I always say, play with your sister and brother. Why do you think I had them? <laughs> right? I mean, it was more of a yeah, long term picture, deciding right.
1: to it's have a big like a family, babysitters. It was never like this mom thing is so simple. I'll just do it it's again. All
0: hard because it's I mean, hard. not only the day to day time that you put in, but like you said, it cracks open a whole new part of your. Your personality and your view on the world—it changes. I mean, you can never rewind. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. No. The world is different to you after a Absolutely. child. Absolutely. So, I mean, I just—I I, want to get into. Oh gosh, I could talk to you forever. But before we go, because I really want to talk and kind of bring this full circle back to the beginning when we were talking about your youngest little miracle baby, oh, yes. and like what happened with him in your health. Whatever you're comfortable talking with, I'm totally putting oh, you on yeah. the spot. I am but always open
1: with everything. I
0: heard, you You know, being the, like, sort of outsider to your story that I was, as soon as I heard this, I was like, oh, my God, Andy, this is like a double God moment. So tell everybody what happened. Yeah, it was
1: super neat. That surprise baby that um, I did not plan, but I am so glad I have, obviously. Um, when I was, when he was three and a half, four, I guess, um, I went into the hospital with some severe abdominal pain and because I'm a mom of five, I drove myself there at four in the morning and told my husband to just get all the kids to school and then come see me um, after. Turns out we found I had a tumor um, and the reason I had pain is it was bleeding. It was about seven or eight centimeters and it was bleeding. And I said, well, what would make the tumor bleed? And they said, well... it's been hit and like, it's, it's probably been damaged. Um, you know, like, are you athletic? Yes. Do you do kickboxing? So I'm like, no, but you know, just the other day, my 40 pound four year old jumped on me. And I actually said to Graham, you're too big for that. Now he's really rough and tumble, total boy, boy. Um, and they were like, Oh yeah, well that would do it. And so for me, I walked out of that and it it was adrenal cancer and I did have surgery, remove the tumor. I did do radiation treatment. I am now a couple years cancer free, but I walked out of that, like the baby, I didn't plan that I couldn't understand how he got here is the person who saved my life, you know, caught my tumor at stage two and not stage four, um, when it had spread to the rest of my body. And so there's been other moments in motherhood where I'm like, I I am religious. Um, for me, for a lot of years, it was more of a cultural thing, really. But there's been moments since having the kids where I'm like, I feel it. There's mm-hmm. just a certain calm or a presence or an understanding of something that has to be, for me, something bigger and a higher power. And Graham is one of those things. You know, he's the one... My husband and my OB loved calculating the odds. He's the one in seven million baby, oh or higher. Gosh! Um, wow! My cancer the year I had it, it was the kind. It's it's called an oxidic type, super rare, and um, you know there's single digit people in the United States that year that had that exact kind of tumor, and so to think like all I kept having these crazy odds and it all kind of coincided, and I'm still here and healthy is amazing. It's a neat story.
0: It's. So unlikely and so amazingly beautiful in the way that it turned out and what you got through. A bunch of likely events,
1: unlikely events (sighs) made for where we are now. And I will tell you, because he knows he's a surprise, because everyone... I'll stand in Panera and someone will be telling my story. Um, (laughs) When I was pregnant with him, my oldest was in kindergarten or first grade. And Liam got in the car one day and he's like, why did they say they heard about your surprise. And I was explaining, well, we didn't plan Graham. And Liam's like, mom, I got to tell you something. I think I did this. And I said, what do you mean, honey? And he's like, well, I prayed every night in bed for a baby brother. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, that is so sweet. Also, if you ever do that again, I'm going to kill you.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, is there some, like, secondary procedure you can get just to make sure? Oh, my gosh. Don't ever
1: do that again, son. But I do love being able to tell Graham, yes, you were a surprise. And it's because someone prayed you into existence.
0: Because I don't know how else you got here. And and to think of the the calling that he fulfilled in his short life so far, just by what happened right. with you, is really it takes my breath away. And I just, um, I, I I'm I'm in a similar boat as you. I'm I'm really, we're, we're both Catholic, and everybody has their issues with their own religions, right. and everybody has their every religion has its strength and its weaknesses. But similar to you. I have found moments in motherhood in particular that have reminded me of a greater power, not necessarily my God being the right God, but a greater power. Right. And there's very little else that can like knock you to your knees and remind you of that.
1: Exactly. I don't think I ever had one of those moments until I had children. And it, I mean, it is a miracle. They are a miracle. I loved giving birth. is that the best? It's the neatest. And that's not everyone's story. I had beautiful experiences. um, Very by the book. Um, so that was the first, just giving birth, like, holy cow, you grew it's this child. They came out of you and. Insane. And someone just handed them over to your care. That was like the very first miracle where I was like,
0: whoa. Yeah. I mean, I think it gets. It gets cooler to me as they get older, too, because you, you expect that moment. You spend nine or ten months getting to that moment, but then I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they're their own people, and they're, yes. they've are they got these distinct personalities, and yet they are so like me in this way or so like my husband. It's just a yes. really the most fascinating ongoing thing. It is. I even see my most negative traits.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like oh it's fun God. to see all that. I'm like, I'm so sorry you laugh hardest at your jokes. <laughs> <laughs> over anyone else in the room you get that from me you're welcome honey um, i will say i mean to you Sonny, and to every mom that could ever listen it only gets better oh. and i i don't think i heard that a lot when i was a young mom um but it just gets better and better every year and that's something that's totally surprised me that i would enjoy a middle schooler even more than a six-year-old mm-hmm. um so it's great i And you know what? Cut yourself some slack. My counselor told me the other day, I have the best counselor, and he was talking about how as a mom or a parent, whatever, you can mess up 30% of the time. And they're still going to be okay.
0: Oh, is that our number? That's what's right. 70%. I, I know. Woo, I got some work to do. We need to check the law I, I at home.
1: But he's <laughs> like, you can you can mess up and still be a fantastic parent and still have a healthy child. I love having like
0: a number to that. So I will be marking down my right. my crappy comments. Siri's <laughs> going to start recording all of our. I know, right? Because I
1: said some horrible things that oh. still stick with me. I've made some big
0: mistakes. Yeah,
1: that stick with me, but I'm like, okay, I still think I'm somewhere in the right. thirty percent. <laughs> well,
0: Andy, thank you so much for coming in. You are just such a delight. I oh, loved, I loved you, I you loved too, from girl. the moment I met you, and I'm like, I, I'm grateful that you came on this, on this show because I feel like it's all about connection and feeling a little less alone. That's my big, thing. a little
1: less alone, and, and just yeah, yeah I, I, I hope, lot I hope that for every mom, it's hard to do that, feel that way on your first. It is. That's a hard journey, but finding those people that are authentic, um, finding your tribe, it happens. It comes. Just like every day getting easier with a baby. It does come.
0: Yeah. It's it's, it's hard to imagine in the time, but... Yeah, right. I'll always be honest and tell you all the ugly, dirty. Yeah, I was going to say, if you guys not only want a great workout, but a dose of like some reality, like not only mom-related, <laughs> but just life-related, you need to come down to the yeah. Bar 3. If you're in Orlando, to the Bar 3 studio. Yeah.
1: TMI Park. often, That's but so you'll get the real answers. What do you
0: say in class? You're like, my husband always marvels at the fact that they gave me a microphone. On this I know, <laughs> once again today. Once again today. He's like, another microphone. You. And look, this is all, I mean, an hour of... Straight up oh talk, but for this, like five minutes. I know. Well, you, I'm serious. I I am so convinced that you just sharing your experience helped people. So I hope so. Thank you so much. I, I would ask so. people where to Thank find you. you on social. I always like to wrap up saying that. Is there anything you want to like put out there that
1: people should? Yeah, follow you I'm on? definitely on social. I think I'm just Andy. on Instagram. Spell it for um, and us too. A N D I period, P-R-A-T-H-E-R. That's my Instagram handle. I don't post a ton. I actually um, don't love being on social. <laughs> I try sometimes. And then you'll often find me on the Bar 3 Winter Park Bar Three
0: Winter page, Park. too. Yeah. Yeah. Which Honestly. is its own amazing community. And guys, you should, by the way, while we're talking about Bar 3, go back about... I think it's like 15 or 20 episodes. I interviewed Lisa Drake, and she's one of the master trainers and not to get, I'm not just saying this cause you're here cause I've been saying this for years now, but if you are a new mom and you're looking for like that, um, that workout that or that way to like get some of that energy out that also addresses your spirit, I have been a stan of bar three for a reason and it's because you get moments of spirituality, it sounds corny, but you do in your workouts too. Like the cool down is all about connecting and feeling like part of something bigger. So. Yeah. I love that. You're a great client, but I love that you get that. It's not, it's a positive
1: workout to give you a connection to your body. Yeah. It's amazing. So.
0: All right, girl. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for listening. How fun was that episode? Um, I, I love Andy and, and really, truly it is so cool that there are it's like there are women all around us who have such similar experiences to what we go through and when you take the time to get to know people or sit down and talk with them you realize oh my gosh we're actually all in this together and like I said whether or not we do things the same way just like to know that there's someone that you can uh, that might be like next to you in line at Starbucks or working out next to you at the gym. I mean, that probably has so many of your similar experiences when, when it comes to mom life is just really, I don't know, it's really cool to me. And it's really comforting in a strange way, too. So um, you heard about how to follow Andy again. You can check her out on Instagram at Bar3WinterPark or Um If you guys took anything from this episode or any of the episodes that you've listened to, I would so appreciate if you took the time to leave a rating and or review And that helps to get these podcasts out to people who might enjoy them or find them useful. So you can do that by just scrolling down in your podcast app and you'll see a little star thing there and tap five stars, please. (laughs) And leave a rating and review. I would be so grateful and subscribe too. That way all of the podcast episodes will be sent directly to your device without you having to do a single thing because we do not need another thing on our to-do lists. Um, thank you guys so much again for listening to this episode of 30-something. I've got some great episodes coming up in the new year, too, so I hope you will stick around for that. Uh, follow me on Instagram, at Sunny Abada for more, and I will see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.